on this episode of Resi Week, Kaleidoscape is closing their doors. What does that mean for the industry, and who could possibly pick them up? Also talking about AV furniture in the home. All that and more, next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 29, recorded Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. So long to Kaleidoscape. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Crestron Electronics. This is Resi Week, the weekly look at the home and uh, residential version of AV. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us, first and foremost. His name is Matt D. Scott. Uh, he is with Omega Audio Video and does an awful lot of stuff with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I am well. I am well. It's weird being on this side of it. Well, it, this it, is it, my show. This is your show. The, <laughs> real quickly, that Matt, Matt and his lovely wife had another baby, and and so mm-hmm. he's, uh, I guess, on paternity hiatus for. A I, I'm on minutes. something. I don't. I don't really You're know still what it is. Though. I'm still working. Yeah, I'm still working a ton, but I'm home a lot more right now, which is good. So. Yeah. Uh, also with this is my buddy and pal and, and one of our fabulous underwriters. His name is Hagai Fenerer. He is from Access Networks. Hello, sir. How's it going? Good. Oh, and, and I shouldn't I shouldn't say this as an afterthought, but you're also on the CD board. So, yep. all right, very good. Uh, all right, so let's let's get this off. Uh, sad news uh, comes to us by our way of our buddies over at CE Pro. Kaleidoscape is shutting down. Uh, written by the fabulous Julie Jacobson. Quote unquote. Kaleidoscape, the icon of high-performance movie players, lossless video downloads, elegant home automation, integration, and beautiful user experience is shutting down. It's over. (laughs) Very well put. Very well done um, uh, sentence there. Now, uh, the first thing here, and and Hagai, I want to start with you because you're you're the the manufacturer here. So a couple of things here. First of all, you, know, you you've been in the business a long time. They've been around since about 2000. It quickly became really really popular, especially in the the high end installations. Because let's be honest, Kaleidoscape's not cheap, or at least it wasn't. Um, what is this going to do, and what does this say about the the the, the industry and, and the residential AV market in general? The fact that that the Kaleidoscape system, which was based around discs, right, uh, to start with. Can't find, you know, can't can't make it in this in this current environment. Well, I think specifically for Kaleidoscape, it means that they had a very steep hill to climb, and they've been battling the the movie industry and you know the whole challenge of ripping Blu-rays and DVDs into the system, which was illegal. So there was the legal challenge, which was a business challenge. How do you how do you fix that? How do you deal with that? And then going back to the studios and, and getting them on board with streaming, which was a big deal, and they were able to do it, all of that takes money. And I think the lesson here is that we have to stay on our feet, and we have to be quick, and we have to adjust to a changing market. And sometimes it's harder to do than, than it looks. And so I think, generally speaking, every brand has a cycle. And that cycle is, you know, you're new, you're fresh, you bring something new to the table, and you see success. And that's what you saw with Kaleidoscape uh, when they took off. I remember seeing Kalahari Desert, that, that demo, 
um, at Signals Audio Video way back when, I think it was 2003, and I was just stunned with the ability and the product and just what it added to the home theater, and it was a big seller for Signals. I know that they were happy as, as a dealer, uh, the homeowners were happy with it, um, but over time, you can't just stay and do what you've always done. You know, look at Access Networks. You know, we've been building networks for a long time. A lot of the core business that we've had um, 10 years ago is still a part of our core business, but we're doing new things. And now at CDA, you're going to see how we are setting to change the market and how you perceive certain things and also how you perceive us, you know, what we've been doing, what we've been up to. So in that cycle where you're nice and you're, you know, you're new and you're innovative, within time that erodes and then new technologies come in. And if you can't start that new cycle for Kaleidoscape was specifically streaming and becoming a part of the mainstream streaming community, um, then, then you're going to, to be in trouble. And sometimes it takes a lot more money than, than you're able to afford. So it's very unfortunate. I hope that someone picks them up because they've been such an integral, integral part of uh, installation jobs for such a long time. And beyond a moneymaker, I think it really makes the theater. It's one of those elements that yeah. create the experience that we're looking for. Well, and that was actually one of the things that in Julie's piece is, is she, towards the end she starts goes into who can buy them, right? Who's Who out there uh, thinks that or, or sees the market for people who enjoy movies, for, enjoy, who, for, for honestly, the, the cinephiles, right? These these are the, the people who love movies as much as, as our... our uh, our wax friends love audio. The audiophile part. This is the cinephile part. It is is who out there do we think is is possibly going to pick them up, Matt? That's a that's a really hard question because really the biggest thing that they have going for them is obviously their interface. It, you can say what you want about the technology and everything else, but it was the interface and the user experience that made it such a highly desirable thing. Um, you know, once you get past the fact that it had the fantastic uh, full resolution capability. Um, as far as who's going to buy them, I, I really don't know. I, it'll come down to who's still actively interested in that side of the market because we've got a lot of people who are um, pushing that user interface for control and everything else, but no one's really doing it at, dare I say, our level. Um in the in the marketplace, the guys that are doing it are the guys with you know Hulu and Netflix and all of those systems and all of those uh, suppliers. Those are the guys that are doing media interfaces. Um, the the thing I found a little surprising was this morning I got a an email from uh, Request asking or or essentially offering to help uh, Kaleidoscape users get into one of their media servers. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe they'll be move. interested in, in, in going after it. But I think it's a really hard hard thing to say because, it, and again, I may be wrong in this. Correct me if I am. But I don't know anybody in our, our side of the industry that's going after this side of technology. They're, they're all looking for ways to make that work. It's not, this isn't something Samsung's going to go after. This could be something Apple could go after. No, Apple. But again, they're, they're, uh, Apple has they're Apple not in their business. They're, they don't. They don't need Kaleidoscape. No. no, they don't. No, but they're they're notorious for buying 
things that they don't really need to steal one little itty bitty part of. Well, and hang on, and, and Matt, Matt brought up something. Haggai. Does Google Alphabet have a K yet? Oh, <laughs> they wouldn't keep it's the wonderful. name though. They would just buy the technology just so you yes. know well, Sergey Bren could do something with it. Um, Haggai, Matt brought up something with the Hulu and the streaming and stuff like that. Is this a direct result of the um, preponderance and the, the popularity of streaming? of cord cutting, of, you know, folks who the rank-and-file American, who, which, honestly, I mean, I, I personally couldn't probably never... Eh, I, lower, the lower-end kaleidoscape, but the higher-end stuff, probably not. But is this the, the, the direct result of the success of Netflix and the fact that, that their business primarily now is streaming, of Hulu, of, you know, at, at, um, Amazon Prime? Of net neutrality. Of net neutrality. Uh, the fact that our ISPs cannot control the content that we're getting and the quality in which we're getting it. So it's a contributing factor, for sure. So on one side, you have the studios and the challenge of Kaleidoscape developing the technology that would make the studios happy when it comes to secure streaming. And then on the other side, you have the streaming services and the infrastructure, the networks, and the ISPs and net neutrality that is supporting essentially a different type of medium. And so when you have a service that's $10 a month, like Netflix or Hulu, and, and homeowners are well aware of their options out there, it becomes less attractive to buy a Kaleidoscape system unless you have a very specific uh, use for it or you just want to have it because you want to have that experience. You're very specific about it. So I think it's all of those factors combined. Let me throw this out there, and, and, and this can be for either of you. Matt, we'll start with you on this just to give somebody to go to. Is it possible? Because Haggai made a very good point. Um, and it, social media was, was a buzz with this over the weekend. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the, the most cogent thought on this came from our buddy Rich Fragoza, where he said, you know, it really saddens me because there are folks who have dedicated cinema rooms, mm-hmm. and they're not going to have this option anymore, right? This is we're talking the, the, the technology is bit by bit; it's it's perfect repre- uh, representation of of the original source material. Again, we're going back to cine- cinephiles. Go back a couple of years, and IMAX has tried to run, run up this um, and, and spin up this. This THX home theater in a box, right? They'll come in, they'll put this gorgeous stuff. But this is at a premium, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it possible or, or conceivable where somebody could come along and, and pick up Kaleidoscape and say, you know what? We're not, we're not the $10,000 model anymore. We're not the $20,000 model. We're a million bucks, or, and I'm using round numbers, right? But we are a premium, premium. If we sell three a year, we're groovy. Mm-hmm. Right? Is it possible that they can go that route? Whoever picks them up, I, I think it is, and you know, I think Kaleidoscape fit that kind of weird bubble where it was, it was obtainable to a degree, but it wasn't at that super premium level. So when you had those guys that were building, you know, a true reference home theater, and you know, I'm not talking about somebody who's got six chairs that they bought from Costco and a projector. Jeez. We're talking about, sorry, it, it, you see it a lot, <laughs> or at least we see it a lot. Um, 
I'm talking about the guys that are, you know, they're talking to Theo. They're talking to the big companies that are building these dedicated rooms and, and these dedicated systems and spending significant, uh, you know, cash outlays to do that. Kaleidoscape was still not a, like, there's I, there's a lot of systems that were using Kaleidoscape where it wasn't the most expensive part in the system. The projectors cost significantly more yeah. money. If it was a a true premium price product, and it doesn't need to be a million dollars, but maybe it you know it's a hundred thousand dollars, and it's down the the realm of you know a, a true red ray player. That I, I see the finger, <laughs> I see that hand. I, I don't I don't know if it necessarily needs to be the the highly expensive product, but it's got to become or evolve into something that works with the way we're trying to distribute media today. And, you know, you look at Redway, Red, uh, Red Ray, and there's a couple other media firms, or, or sorry, media delivery systems. Um, I think there's one called Gemini. Uh, I think that's the name, maybe, sort of. Um, that does these sort of, you know, movie systems. It's not, not a media player, per se, but it's a movie system, and it, it gets that in that realm. That's where they might be able to play if they're picked up by somebody. But as that $5,000 you know, media server, they're not making enough money to continue to go up against Hollywood because Hollywood has these archaic concepts of how people are supposed to license and consume their media. All right, Haggai, go ahead. So um, here's the thought. What if someone like Crestron picks up Kaleidoscape and embeds them into their media system, into their control system? They find a model that works to deliver Kaleidoscape to the homeowner as a part of having that homeowner buy an automation system. And I'm just throwing Crestron because they're the 800-pound gorilla, right? Um, they could very well do that. They could probably immediately turn that into a Crestron offering and continue to differentiate themselves from a, an ever-growing market of IoT devices that are being sold to the homeowner as, oh, you don't need an automation system. Here, here's an app for this, an app for that. I think someone like that, someone of that size and that ability has a much greater chance turning this into a success than someone trying to you know, navigate how to bring Kaleidoscape back. Kaleidoscape needs to become a part of something much bigger Completely. in order yeah. to see success. Absolutely. It, it's interesting because didn't at one point, didn't Crestron have something similar to this? They had some sort yes. of universal search. It was called World Search, I believe, or Global Search. Yeah, Global Search, something like that. And I remember seeing it. I remember being in the Experience Center in New Jersey and, and going through it and talking about how awesome it was. And I remember referencing, yeah, it's kind of like a kaleidoscape and got the the evil death, death <laughs> eyes of how dare you mention something similar to what we're doing because we're the only ones doing it, yada, yada, yada. And uh, <laughs> again, it, it, it's one of those things of is as we, you know, it, it breaks my heart to see kaleidoscape die just because it was the the amazing system that really is what you wanted in your theater. You wanted that that just you know billboard of movie titles that just scrolled through and you could grab whatever you wanted. That's part of the reason you built that theater. 
it's completely the reason you built that theater. You didn't build that theater to go back into your AV room and drop a disc in. Or that, turn on your Apple TV and... Yeah, yeah, and, and navigate to your Hulu app and then try and find a... <laughs> wait for it to, you know, buffer a little bit. Um, not if you put a fantastic access network system in there. Then, you know, buffering at all. But, you know... <laughs> Same plug. <laughs> Same plug. It, it was one of those devices that, you know... And again, I never owned one. We were never dealers, but we had a client who had one, and I remember servicing it and sitting down and him showing it to us. And you know, again, we had seen it, yada yada yada, but it was just such an amazing piece of technology. And I feel that no matter who buys it, if anybody buys it, um, it's it's just going to die, and we're never going to see that again in that that system well, until. Years, years down the road. I don't see. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think we're gonna have. I, I don't. I think we're at a point with technology as well as with consumers, where that kind of thing is gone. It, it's yeah. it's toast. It's it is the equivalent of a record player but are in, you talking, in the 1990s. Okay. Uh, okay. But hold on. Are you talking about the physical hardware? I'm talking about. Or are you discs? talking about the experience? Talking about the displaying, I'm talking about that. No, the experience is not absolutely not because we are, you know, we're, we're visual creatures for crying out loud. Um, you know, for those of us watching and listening in the states, we watch somewhere between the neighborhood of five and eight hours states. of TV. Well, North America. I'm, I, here's the thing: it was it was a negative so. comment, so I didn't want to put you in with it. But we watched <laughs> an, an, an inordinate amount of television in general, right? Um, a lot of it's compressed. A lot of it's crappy. Uh, when it comes to the visual experience, and and it's what we've gotten used to, you know, we 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 watch compressed cable, we watch compressed uh, streaming, um, because that's what's offered. Uh, we watch. Yes, the guy. I totally agree. Look, I have a problem with my DVD player at home. It's a Blu-ray player that has Netflix and Hulu and all those services built in. We have the bandwidth; it's not an issue. But that specific player is really, really slow. Processing power, whatever the, the resources it has. So flipping between movies or, you know, pause, play, all those functions, that thing is throwaway value at this point. And the one in the living room is functioning just fine. We are compromising because we're not willing to pay for the experience. Mm -hmm. We're compromising. Yeah. And we're compromising with a provider that will scale down the quality of the stream based on how what, what they feel is appropriate for you to have. Well, and I was actually even, even going to go even farther than that. We were compromising with the with the source material. I mean, let, let's be be honest here. When all of us have kids, um, my kids watch YouTube as much as they watch, you know, Netflix streaming. What's mm -hmm. some, of the more, some of the more popular stuff on, on YouTube? It's not 4K versions of, you know, this movie or that movie. It, it's it's a kid in his, in his basement, um, you know, recording how he did this trick on, mine, on, on Minecraft. Right, it it's not 1080p. It's not 4K. God help it if it, it may it might be 720. Well, it's that whole it's that whole thing of you know they were streaming the Olympics here, some of it in 4K for us, and it wasn't NBC, which was fantastic because we actually got content. Um, but I was shocked at how often, especially because my wife's been home with the new baby, she'd be upstairs on the couch watching whatever on HGTV. And I would be watching soccer or something while working upstairs in the office on one of my monitors in a scaled maybe 720 digital stream. 
And I was happy with it because I was still watching it, even though I'd much rather be downstairs watching it in, heck, 1080p uncompressed, let alone 4K. I'd have been thrilled. But it's, it, it, we're to that point where, again, just like we had these audio conversations three, four years ago about who needs you know, the high-def uh, you know, reference audio system because most people are playing YouTube, we're now, and have been there for a while, we're now in that video conversation where it doesn't matter that you can offer it in 4K, whether it be compressed or not, because half the guys I know, even though they can watch the Blue Jays in 4K, they're still watching it on a stream on their phone because they're at the office and they so play why, baseball. Why, why would you watch the Blue Jays? I don't know, oh. but, but that's what, what they do What here. about someone like Meridian picking up Collapse? Ooh, and yeah, that would really be fantastic. The same thing they've done with audio, doing with video, putting all their weights, yeah, mm -hmm. and going talking to the same people that handle audio will handle video, and pushing for higher quality in the home. Well, and that would be that would be a very interesting marriage because of how effective their Sulu's system is. Not to mention the fact that they just uh, partnered with Barco. Yeah, yeah, and that's a huge thing. So now that that system, which you know, kind of in the same realm as Kaleidoscape, wasn't mass marketed to people. Not that Barco is a mass market projection system either, um, but it's something that it's opening that door to so many more people. They're one of those few media companies that's still serving that that interface. And thank you because I had forgotten about them. And, and have the same core values. Yeah. They, they don't believe in compromise. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I All right. Core values. Poor, poor, poor Kaleidoscape. Kind of All right, real quickly, guys, before I let you get out of here, uh, one last one last story here, and we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. Um, this is from Cena, and I caught this caught my eye, mainly because of, of the minim, minim, minimalisticness uh, of this, this furniture. Um, and I wanted to start a conversation about just home audio, uh, actually home AV, furniture and and how it gets in the home and how you guys think that that we should you know that as an industry deal with it matt is this and not specifically about the the jensen lewis furniture but um when it comes to where we put our gear mm -hmm. and where will you put your your stuff is it something that you help your client you provide for your client or you just kind of take what's what's given <laughs> Yes, it's. <laughs> well, it, it is that it. It's all three of those, because it depends on it depends on the client. It depends on their budget. You know, anytime we're putting in a system, we'd much highly prefer to put it in a rack with cable management and you know ventilation and heat management and control and all that fun stuff. A lot of times they don't want a rack. They don't want it either somewhere remotely or we're we're stuck putting it somewhere where they have to have it closer and we can't fit a rack. You also get clients who say, hey, I got you this quote-unquote rack, and it's plastic shelving from Costco, or I'm on a Costco kick right now. Diapers, bulk packs, it's fantastic. Um, you know, it, we've run into that. I've run into suspended wire shelving from Joyce's in the ceiling in a basement. That's a rack. You also get clients that order furniture like that or standout designs or, or any of the guys that are making you know media console furniture 
some of it's better than others. Um, a lot of it is designed to some degree with technology in mind and, and proper widths and all that other stuff. But at the same time, we also have stuff where we go to our local cab shops that we work with, and they manufacture something to either hide a rack or to put equipment in that fits the rest of the motif in the home. It, it's all of the above, and, you know, a, as an integrator, I'm always happiest when they at least involve us in that conversation, opposed to showing up on site, having had a conversation about, you know, what we're doing in your home and where we need to put equipment and, and all this other stuff, and you show up and you find out that their kitchen cabinet company built you something for their media room, and the shelves are all 17 inches wide. That makes us happy. Well, and because what do we do with it? It wasn't so much a question of the racks, right? I, I get the racks, mm. and, and you can purchase them from, from different places. This is more about what goes in the living space, right? I don't I don't anticipate seeing a rack in a living space, right? You, you take an access network um, um, switch, and you put it in the rack mm. that I get. You're not going to put that in, in one of these pieces of furniture. But... The, the receiver, the if you have some sort of, of matrix uh, video oh, switcher, that's a possibility of going in here. In All of it? What? All of it. Nah, the Blu-ray nah, player, nah. everything? We put, so, we put everything other than local source in Iraq if we can do it. All right, Haggai. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I agree with Matt. In the end of the day, it's uh, homeowner discretion. But for me, you know, I don't want my speakers and cabinets because I have two big you know, F32 floor standing speakers. Um, and I, also have, I have two JL F212s that mm. you will not enclose anywhere. And they're gorgeous, you know, and they're loud and I love it. And, you know, it's a part of my <laughs> my man cave feeling. And so I want to take that away. Um, and, I, you know, my amps, they generate heat. They're old. So, you know, they're out in the open. But I have a nice restoration hardware piece where, Everything just rests on it, and the TV's on top, and it's just awesome. So well, and that, that, that raises a whole other point, though. If you're one of those people who want to see all your equipment, and obviously, you know, floor standing speakers and stuff like that, you're always going to see. Right. Those should never be hidden. But if you're one of those guys that wants to see all the rack, or sorry, all the equipment, the amplifiers, watch the needles go. Then yeah, that then it gets put into something that allows you to showcase that. But at the same time, on the other end of the scale, a lot of times people don't want to see anything. Like when we work with designers, they don't want to see oh, a darn yeah, thing. Oh yeah, want to see anything. God forbid I even put a trimless speaker in. It's got to be something we can drywall over and still hear. It's fantastic. So I I would love to have some balance there, where. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say my network gear, some of it, you know, I have a switch in that in that piece because there's a lot of network gear in there. So I would love to have some more work, but I'm not, I rent, I don't own, so I don't just, you know, punch the walls. Uh, but I see the need for balance. <laughs> that, also, that's what security uh, deposits are for, Haggai. <laughs> Famous last words. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, but definitely, I would love to have some more balance and have some less gear on that shelf. But at the same time, I love, I'm a visual guy. I love seeing what I have and having it all laid out in front of me and having the house, you know, bumping when I want to. Very good. So you can't do that within walls. No. I'm sure some people say you can, but come generate the same pressure as the F212s 
<laughs> you just won't be able to do it. No. No, I, I still remember that one of the first, um, oh, good Lord, first couple of years I went to Cedia, somebody had a drywall installed um, speaker. So it was, it, it, it was, it didn't sound bad, but it wasn't, it was yeah, not going are... to produce what that no. does. No. They're fantastic for background music. Uh, yes, I'm well, sure. I, I saw this. Uh, it's a James loudspeaker. It's a speaker that shoots through a three-inch square yep. mm-hmm. in the ceiling. And some people love that in the kitchen. To me, you know, didn't sound amazing. I you I can see how you can have background music, and that's okay. But it just it's a compromise. It's always a balance of aesthetics versus, to me, in the end, quality. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, it depends. Again, it's a homeowner decision. I don't want to see anything, and I'll take whatever comes out of that speaker. Yep. Or, you know, maybe more technologies come out, but I don't think... You guys tell me. Audio is audio. Just no, like video is yeah. radio. Right? You, I mean, here's the thing. You, you could put a line array in your house if you wanted to, right? But... Um, Why wouldn't you? Because you're, you're, cause, <laughs> cause, cause of your, your better half, your other half. Yeah, the uh, it it put the baby to sleep. There's probably structural issues too as to why not to put no, a line. No, no, you just you rig it properly. That's oh, all. Geez, all right. Proper mount points. All right, <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much, Mister Hagai. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. How do people uh, find you and and Access Networks? Hagai at accessca.com, or you can just look for me online, and. Um, yeah, it's networks, uh, accessca.com. You can uh, visit our website or just uh, email me directly. All right, very good. And you will be at the Fabulous Cedia show in almost a month's time. Well, actually, a month's time now. Um, yeah, and uh, our booth just uh, just changed. We're, at, we're right next to the Cedia booth. So oh, if you want to find us, 5112. 5112, very good. Mr. Scott, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be a guest on my own show. <laughs> People find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott, uh, or pretty much anywhere at, you know, Matt D. Scott or Omega Audio Video, or Aviation TV, where you can find this show and a wide host of other shows. You can. I'll let you end it. I don't care. No, no, no. Go for it. All right. Um, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but but as Matt said, go by the website. Um, you will find a whole lot of other shows. We have a a pro commercial version of this show called AV Week. We do it on Fridays. Um, you also find an interesting part about aviation is the fact that, that our business model involves underwriters. I mentioned the fact that Access Network is, is one of our underwriters. They're the folks that let us do what we do. So check them out if you would, please. So aviation.tv, aviation.tv. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been Rosie Week. 